Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Well, Lister says that the voters made sure that California didn't collect taxes on lottery winnings. So, Wow. <laughs> there was some ballot proposition when they bought the lottery. No kidding. All right. Uh, at LAX this morning, something strange happened. There's a carbon dioxide leak, and it uh, four I guess uh, four employees were injured. Uh, one had fell into cardiac arrest. And Steve Gregory is here with the story. Yeah, guys. You know this is a kind of a crazy story because you know how rumors spread and information gets out there, and it you know gets kind of complicated because no one really knows the true story. So as you mentioned, John, early this morning, uh, there were four subcontractors, and they were construction workers that were in Terminal 8, and they went to this hallway that's kind of behind the baggage area, and at the end of these hallways is is a bunch of these electrical rooms. Now, inside these electrical rooms are fire suppression systems, and these fire suppression systems are these very higher-end, high-tech ones that deploy CO2, and they deploy it in large amounts enough to where it sucks the oxygen out of the room so no flames can ignite and spread. So that's what happened. These uh, four workers, three men and one woman, were working in this room. They said they heard a loud popping noise, and people characterized it as an explosion. There was never an explosion. And when as minutes after the loud popping, um, the three of them, they realized they were not, not feeling well because CO2 is colorless and it's odorless. This is carbon dioxide. Dioxide. Different from carbon monoxide. Oh, big time. Yeah. Yeah. So they get into that room, and when they start not feeling well at all, three of them get out. But the fourth guy collapses because literally the oxygen is sucked out of his body. He has no oxygen. So when he's trying to breathe in, he's breathing in carbon dioxide in very concentrated way. Right. And this is what people exhale. Exhale, right. Yeah. And he collapsed and went into cardiac arrest. So the other three got out, called 911. LAPD, whose station, they actually have a unit out there, uh, kind of a sub-office, if you will, in addition to LAXPD, which are two different agencies. So LAPD was able to get over there pretty quickly because they're positioned way over by Terminal 8. They have a trailer over there. And they got out over there, and they were able to, to start CPR until paramedics got there. Fortunately, they got the guy to a hospital in time. He's in his 50s. And he was in critical condition. It was touch and go there for a while. and But then they got him up to speed where at least he was breathing on his own. 
The other three workers were treated at a hospital and released. Now the big question is, how did this happen? And did they trigger something? Was there a malfunction? So that's kind of the uh, latest. At no time were passengers in danger. That's what L.A. Fire said, L.A. City Fire. Uh, There was some disruption because, you know, obviously when you hear popping noises at an airport, everyone kind of, you know, is on edge. So out of an abundance of caution, they moved everyone from Terminal 8 over to Terminal 7 until they could determine what happened. And then it took about a couple hours, a couple, three hours before they started kind of getting back into normal motion and things. They did a brief ground stop of airplanes. United was reporting some minor delays early on, but then they got back to normal as well. It's an interesting way to put out a fire. I haven't heard of that particular method where you suck the oxygen out. Or have the carbon dioxide overwhelm the oxygen. Yeah, that, that is in a lot of electrical places, uh, production companies and studios. They have these um, huge systems now where it deploys in there. And for this very reason, you better not be in that room when it's deployed because you won't have anything to breathe. Because they don't want the fire to have anything to breathe. But it's a pretty sophisticated system. And So what set it off? Yeah, we don't know whether or not they did this accidentally or whether well, there's the, something else... Presumably, the loud popping noise is going to be some sort of a, t- a determining factor because if indeed they heard something like that, that maybe there was a, a short, a spark, or something that backfired and caused this thing to deploy, and they won't tell us um, what they were working on. So we don't know if they were actually working on the system when it malfunctioned or whether they triggered something accidentally that triggered the system. Is there? An and this has never happened before? Not to not to my knowledge, not at LAX, and if it did, certainly no one was injured. Does an alarm go off to let everybody know, hey, yeah. you're going to be out of oxygen? So, be, so, well, an alarm goes off. It's a fire alarm, so it triggers right. like a central security system like it would anybody else in any other building. But um, but did, did the four employees know that they have to run, that they're going to be that running That I don't know. Oxygen? I don't know if there was any kind of a, a, you know, some sort of an audible signal inside of the room. Uh, or like a light, blinking light, kind of like we do here, our fire alarms, those yeah. strobe lights. Yeah, but it, it's to let them know of a specific danger. Sure. That in a matter of moments, you can't breathe. You're going to die. I, I mean, I wonder if they all knew that that was that's a That's a question that was not asked or answered at the, the, <laughs> at the briefing. It's a good question, though. John yeah, means a is, sense of urgency, right? I feel like you're getting a little nervous, John. Like you're getting Well, do scared. we have one of these in here? I <laughs> do we have one of those? <laughs> You say just put sprinklers in or something, but Because right? that, that sounds like a great fire suppression technique, unless you happen to be in the room, right? Well, well, this was down. an electrical room where it can get pretty crazy quickly if you have a fire. So they want something really, I guess, thorough that immediately tamps it down, I'm thinking. Okay, so <laughs> as we speak, oh, yes. one, of your, one of your sources? Yeah, just said the CO2 is a fire retardant. And it was set off when the workers were doing some brazing Brazing. It's a that's a cooking term. Yeah, that is a cooking term. Well, no, I think in this case it's probably welding or something. Oh, it's not a pork. Look roast? it up. You got I... the you got the computer over there. Look it up. They were brazing. Brazing. B r a z i n g. That's what I was just told by a source down there. And there was also an alarm inside, so that's that's why the the three people were able to get out. Brazing versus soldering. Yeah, I think I think cooking meat is b r a i s e. Right. Right. Uh, this is soldering. Soldering. It's soldering. It's S-O-L-D. Soldering. Yeah, soldering. But yeah, there so, are key differences, okay, so, but apparently yeah, there's some similarities with, between brazing so and soldering. So it must be on an with, industrial with, level. With an alloy of copper and zinc at high temperature. Brazing is a process which includes a filler metal, which has a uh, liquidus above 450 degrees ah, centigrade. So maybe they triggered the fire alarm 
naturally. Yeah, but with that heat that they needed to yeah. do the brazing. A metal joining process. Oh. Two or more metal items are joined together by melting and flowing a filler metal into the joint. Oh, no. Okay, so it sounds like, I'll bet you, I mean, I'm going out on a limb here, but it sounds like maybe they, in, the pro, in, the, in the process of their work, they yeah. triggered the alarm. Yeah, actually, it says here, brazing actually requires lower temperatures than soldering. That's why sometimes people choose it. So, but maybe there's, maybe it's sensitive enough to be triggered by smoke because soldering gives off smoke. Yes. And if you're doing it on an industrial level with all those different metals and stuff, I bet there's some sort of smoke component. And these were contract workers? Yeah, subcontractors. And they were, but you're not exactly sure of the job they were doing in there. Well, they were brazing. <laughs> I know what I mean. <laughs> no, I don't know what the I don't know what the task was. Well, uh, I think there's going to be new procedures if this is what happened in terms of sending people out to do a brazing job in a room with the carbon dioxide fire suppressants. Yeah, well, you yeah. just got that first. It was brazing. The guys were doing brazing. All right, okay. breaking news from Steve Gregory. Wow. Well, we you. all learned a lot today, which is you know rare. maybe you should just sit in the room the whole afternoon and just read these texts that you get. You from know the what? Actually. It would be pretty entertaining. He showed me some off the air. On some we sports. could be talking, and he'll suddenly go, I got a new one. Yeah, no, he gets instant information. He has a panel of experts. Well, the thing always... is, is most of my experts are all listening to you. Yeah, well, no, so that, we, it, we it appreciate that. It's a good cycle. Right. It's it, a great cycle. It enhances our knowledge. So thank you very much to my source out there. He knows who he is. All right. Thanks, all right. guys. Thank you, Steve Gregory, covering the story out of LAX, where uh, a number of workers were felled by carbon dioxide, including one man that apparently is now breathing on his own, and his condition has been uh, upgraded. He's in better shape, but he was uh, almost without a pulse when they found him. Uh, we got more coming up. John and Ken, oh, what's next is a keyword. You want to hear the keyword, and then you want to follow John's instructions to possibly win some money. Stay tuned for that. KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. All right, uh, big story over the weekend internationally was the stampede in South Korea that has killed more than 150 people. We have learned this afternoon that the niece of a Republican congressman from Ohio was among those who were in the crowd and apparently crushed. Congressman Brad Wenstrup announced that his niece is more than 100, 150 people killed. She apparently was a student at the University of Kentucky, but she was studying abroad in South Korea. And the family has learned that... Uh, she was one of those people that lost their life. How this happens is explained in a fascinating story in the Washington Post. I mean, we all know the feeling of being in a very close, bunchy crowd, maybe trying to get in or out of somewhere, whether it's an amusement park or for me, it's it's freaking SoFi Stadium because you have to if you if you're down in the bowl, you have to go up to get out and everybody kind of merges together to get to escalators and and yeah. it could get really – and then there's so many drunk people, too. You want to just scream to get and, out of there. But. And, and the escalators at SoFi get way overloaded, and there aren't that many of them. There I, aren't, no. The, the internals of SoFi Stadium, like the, the concourse, I'm, I'm really puzzled by. Like, a lot <laughs> of it doesn't make sense to me. I've been there twice now, and yeah. it's just, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I, it, it I, I still can't believe they finished it that way. What they were doing for a few games is they stop the line getting on the escalator so it, there's a little breathing room between groups. They do that sometimes. But, uh, you know, what happened here? It's 100,000 people were crushed together in this area of uh, Seoul, South Korea, because they were into heavy lockdowns 
for a couple of years there. This Most of the people that died, by the way, are in their 20s and 30s. At least four of them were even teenagers. And they think there was at least two dozen foreign citizens, as I mentioned, a couple of Americans. A Kennesaw State University student named Stephen Blessy apparently also lost his life. So they were out, you know, for a good time. I, whether social media called them to this place or it was a big announcement that this was going to be a gathering place uh, that night, that, I oh, don't really know. But yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a Halloween celebration. It's a really big nightlife district. They've got bars, restaurants, nightclubs, all that. So there was guess- live stream of this. And the real problem was there was a narrow alleyway next to something called the Hamilton Hotel. And that's where many people got trapped in the crush, in an alley next to the hotel. And the way this works, if you're like a smaller person, sorry, Deborah Mark, but that can be bad news when there's a crush because... It's more difficult to breathe when all those bodies are pushed together and you're not tall enough to suck air out from the from your from the top. Another thing to worry about, thanks. Karen. You'd get lost down I below would. there, yeah. I know. I know. That I is know. that is another thing to panic about. It, it, well, I'm not gonna panic, but I, I'm not gonna put myself in a situation like that. I'll no. try not to. A live stream that began at seven forty one PM shows the top of the alleyway. The intersection's crowded but people could still walk through to get to the street, although slowly. However, they talked to a professor. Believe it or not, John, here's a guy that studies these types of events, including something called the 2010 Love Parade disaster. He, he said, despite some narrow passages, the situation appears to be altogether not or not yet critical. But he noted that pedestrians can be seen temporarily halted at times in the footage. Then another live stream comes. He's looking at it at 9.21 p.m., about an hour to the first call to authorities. And uh, another professor said, this is this high-density crowd. They were still able to move, but there were signs of trouble. You can see the static crowd and people moving towards that area. It's an indication of a potential problem. And it looks like, looking at the video, they're, they're trying to move in one direction. I was wondering if sometimes some people are going one way in the alley and people going the oh, other way in the alley. I, I think that's what happened because the New York Times has an interview with a 17-year-old girl, Kim So Jong. Yeah. And she said it was a narrow, hilly alley next to the Hamilton Hotel. We entered the alley at 8 o'clock. There were so many people we could hardly take a step forward. We gave up an hour later and tried to turn around to go home, but we couldn't move in the other direction either. There were people pushing from behind us and people in front of us pushing down the hill in the other direction. And then a group of young men made a hard shove down the hill, chanting, push, push. Yeah. You know, they have a term crowd turbulence. Yeah. That's when individuals are carried by waves of movement that ripple through a crowd. In other words, you may not even be walking with your feet. You're just going to get lifted and pushed. Yeah. So these young guys uh, shoved people. A person in front of me slipped and fell, pushing me down as well, said Kim. People behind me fell like dominoes. There oh. were people beneath me, people falling on top of me. I could hardly breathe. We shouted and screamed for help. But the music was so loud in the alley, our shouts were drowned out. So I don't know what that, those guys were doing. Were they impatient? Did they think it was funny to try to push the crowd along down the hill? But they have, may have been the, uh, the ignition for this disaster. This is uh, Seoul, South Korea's, I think it's pronounced Itaewon District. 
You know, it used to be the red light district years ago. There was a military base there, and that's where the soldiers would go to find some uh, hookers and stuff. Hmm. But they cleaned it up. And now it's become more of a trendy place. That's what's described here for foreigners and foreign cuisine in South Korea's capital. So people do like to gather there, particularly young people. It's pronounced Itaewon, Itaewon. Um, so it's a popular place for nightlife, and that became the Halloween go-to place the other night. They drink, party, and eat, it says here. And uh, there was one report. Oh, well, another thing. There was not a lot of police presence. No. Well, that's what Kim says. The alley was crowded and noisy. People didn't seem to know what was happening several feet away. People were filming the crowd with smartphones. Some were putting on Halloween cosmetics. Others shouting at bar owners, asking when they could get in. The few cops who rushed to the scene, blowing their whistles, tried to control the crowd, but to no avail. She didn't even know how deadly the whole thing had been until uh, she was on the subway and she checked the news on her phone. Yeah, I saw a story that people continued to party at clubs nearby as late as 5 a.m., unaware of the tragedy that happened not that far away in the neighborhood. Uh, It says here that Halloween's a big deal in South Korea because it's a conservative society. So you have a chance on that night to wear expressive and revealing outfits that you probably couldn't otherwise wear. The holiday is a rare opportunity for those who consider themselves insa, Korean slang for someone who's extroverted, likes to have fun with a group of people to party in exotic outfits. So you like to use that night to take photos of yourself and really just go wild. I love cultural rules. Yes, we're very uh, we're very uh, introverted much of the year, but one day. Out of the whole year, we'll dress in costumes. You know, it's common in in Asian cultures not to stand out. You're not supposed to. So, right? You're supposed to more conform and... Don't um, conform. I I don't really understand conformist cultures. I don't know why people feel the need to do what everybody else is doing, and they're afraid that they might be judged for not following... Because it leads to order. It's the fascist way. Yeah, I know. It's it's just so strange. You You will be in... You will get in line. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about the United States Supreme Court today. They finally heard, boy, this has been around since 2014, lawsuits against Harvard University and the University of North Carolina over affirmative action or race-based admissions. We'll explain what they're looking at. John and Ken, KFI, AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, Mike, glad you could join me for some great seafood. Me too. Wait, why are you dressed in fishing gear? You said we were going out to catch great seafood, right? Yes, to Popeye's. Do you even know how to fish? No, I thought you did. Oh, yeah, I could catch pretty good seafood at Popeye's. Let's go. Let Popeye's do the fishing while you enjoy our delicious signature seafood. Get Popeye's flounder fish sandwich or shrimp tackle box before they're gone. Limited time at participating U.S. restaurants. Oh, later on Friday during the Harvey Weinstein trial, I guess the jury had to see pictures of his uh, of his genitalia. Um, and there's somebody that testified today, we'll get into this later on, who said, this is a bit of a surprise, they were assaulted twice, 17 years apart by Weinstein, an accuser that testified. So we'll tell you all about that. How does that happen? That is weirdly weird, I know. <laughs> some, uh, of, some of these... Stories are really puzzling to me. I don't get it. If somebody has raped you or sexually assaulted, how do you end up in a second situation with them? 
I don't know. I have no idea. I'm going to look at the story and see if uh, there's some don't explanation you, from the witness. Don't you want to see those pictures? No. Of his deformed genitalia? Well, because of this relocation. You want to see what's in his thigh? Well, because, yeah, they said they were relocated to his thigh, his, uh, his jewels. And I just want to see how they do that. How does it work? Just part of your fascinating curiosity of the things, huh? Uh, I'm fascinated by the human anatomy. I find the human anatomy disgusting and fascinating. The U.S. Supreme Court is looking at an affirmative action case. It has been banging around for years, and apparently the lower courts ruled in favor of Harvard and the University of North Carolina. But the Supreme Court decided to take on the issue. And you know what helps? The wild card, Chief Justice Roberts. He's been fighting affirmative action since he was in the Reagan administration many years ago. Not a big fan of affirmative action, and sometimes he can be a vote that's a little tricky. So here's just a statistic for you. How many people do you think applied to Harvard to be part of the class of 2026? I don't know. Well, the answer is 61,000. How many got in? 1,954. You can get an idea how selective Harvard is. About 59,000 people were rejected there's, for the class of There's also a change in the culture, and since I went through this three times, and I ended up talking with a lot of people involved in the system, is that I would call it the what-the-hell philosophy. No. A no. lot of parents would get force their kids to, uh, I don't know if Harvard takes the common application, but some years ago, a lot of universities agreed on a common application. So you fill that one out online, and that works for hundreds of schools. And so that dramatically increased the total number of applicants to any particular school, which all the schools liked because they like to brag how selective they are. See, they, they want to take in 60,000 applicants and only approve 2,000. I see. Because right. that, 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 you know, it's like, it's like a nightclub that has a velvet rope line that's keeping people out in the street. Right. The more exclusive your image is, the more people want to come the higher you can raise the tuition rates. And between that and parents becoming maniacal, right? Once U.S. News and World Report started this, they listed the colleges numerically. What's the best school, right? And Harvard would be first. Well, a, a lot of wannabe parents, not wannabe parents, but a lot of parents have this, this wannabe idea that their kids should be in the Ivy Leagues. So they forced their kids to, to apply when, you know, they got a 2.6 average. So, of course, they're going to get rejected. So the basis of the case against Harvard and University of North Carolina is that oh, a lot of it deals, especially with Harvard, with Asian students who felt like, uh, despite very good academic scores and test scores, they were not admitted to the school, whereas others of different races were given preference so that Harvard could diversify its student body. And it's Harvard's argument that they want a strong, diverse student body so people can experience peoples from all sorts of different backgrounds. Now, the question is, how do you do that? Well, many selective colleges, listen to this, take a holistic, and that's what Harvard says they do, admissions review process. That takes into consideration not only your academic credentials, your extracurricular achievements, recommendations, as well as an applicant's background. 
The goal is to ensure they enroll a mix of students whose life experiences and outlooks can enrich the educational opportunities of their classmates. And one of the things being contested here, uh, it was like a student group that filed this lawsuit against Harvard, is that when it came to Asian students, they apparently uh, didn't do well on like a almost a personality kind of yeah that's what it is category nobody really wants to say out loud what it is but there's a lot of uh, elite colleges that don't like uh, what they consider to be the Asian personality because the, those kids uh, are, are, are they they work hard they work like crazy they study long hours they spend Saturday nights in the library studying they're not uh, they're not necessarily the crowd that's uh, whooping and hollering. Uh, at the fraternities and the football games, right? That 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 that's that that's what people on the inside say. Now they can't say that out loud because it doesn't it doesn't sound good, does it? What they're doing uh, is they're stereotyping a personality on an entire culture, and uh, so what they want they want more of the traditional college personality. Yeah, which they runs, runs headlong into their numerical SAT score criteria. Right. Uh, the challengers alleged Asians were admitted at a lower rate than even whites, even though their overall academic scores were definitely better. All right. So the question is, especially in a place like Harvard, what do you want? Do you want the kids who perform the best on the testing intellectually? Or do you want this personality test, which seems to discriminate against uh, the Asian culture? Yes, they consider an applicant's background, overcoming hardship, growing up with grandparents or taking care of a younger sibling, otherwise making the most of limited resources. Admission officers say they can spot other candidates with potential and achieve the aim for educational benefits of a diverse class. In other words, they're saying that they wanted to do something for students that didn't have the opportunity for, say, tutoring aid. Mm -hmm. Coming from a wealthier family, you can get all sorts of help with your with your education and they think that these students are probably just as bright they just have not had the chance to show that because of their more limited economic background that's the yeah, argument and, they and, were I, making. and i i understand that too but you know they it, it they they kind of the, these universities have 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 and i i heard this i mean i went we went i went to a number of these you know seminars that the schools put up how to right. get your kid in and you have people who talk in, like, woke gobbledygook, and then you have people who talk bluntly. And nice. the ones who talk bluntly will tell you, if your kid doesn't have uh, X number on the SAT, forget about it. Don't waste your money. You're not going to get in. And then right. there's the woke gobbledygook who starts talking about a holistic portfolio of life experiences. And, you know, every, everybody has their story. It doesn't fit into a box. Maybe, you know, most people don't come from wealth. You know, the, the wealthy people really never have anything to worry about with their kids. Uh, but the, the people in the, and, and, and the poor people can get big scholarships. And there, there is a preference for minorities, okay? But if you're in the middle, you're in the middle. I remember my parents were like this, too. You know, you make too much money to get scholarships, not enough money to afford a school. You don't really have a hard luck story because most people don't have hard luck stories. Again, most people are middle class. Most most people don't have uh, parents who died young or any any of those tear jerking stories that 
they, they look for in, in, the, uh, in the essay that you write. You're just a regular person. If you're a re- more regular you are, the more the, the world is stacked against you in terms of college admissions. Uh, by the way, what comes around goes around. Some of the justices today and the more conservative ones were really questioning the attorneys for Harvard. And uh, one of the things that they brought up was the fact that uh, Harvard went to a holistic approach to judging admissions in the 1920s. And some accused them of doing that to exclude Jewish students. So you can see how old this approach is <laughs> yeah, now. Well, yes. The 1920s. The is, is holistic a, a code word for some kind of discrimination? Their answer is, well, we use dozens of factors. Yeah. You can't point to race as being but, the only one. It's yeah, only part of the mix. That's what they say publicly, right? But what are they saying privately? I'm telling you there's a difference. Back then, the students who did really, really well, it was a, it was a cultural thing, were the Jewish students. And right. there was always discrimination against Jews. Obviously, that's been a uh, part of uh, America for forever, right? And now the new version of that is discrimination against Asians. They just don't want too many of this or too many of that. And so the, the, these college, uh, you know, they, they're they good at the gobbledygook and they're good at the cover stories. And they'll go, they come up with words and you go, oh, yes, it's a holistic portfolio. Well, what is that? You know, I went all my life without hearing the phrase holistic portfolio until, you know, last 10 years trying to get your kids into college. And now uh, you hear this, these, these magic uh, voodoo words. There won't probably be any decision announced till next June anyway. Johnny Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. All right, we'll talk a bit about the L.A. mayor's race after the news at 4 o'clock. Don't forget the voter guide is there. Looks like there was a couple of... Uh, glitches over the weekend. Several people panicked emailing the show. The voter guide is messed up. It's gone. It's there right now. I just checked it out. At KFIAM640.com. Somebody's still sabotaging the There's voter a, guide? Only a week to go. So people are starting to seriously uh, reflect on their choices. It's the third time we've gotten a report. Yeah. What do you suspect? What's the conspiracy? I don't know. Who, you don't know. Who are our enemies? I don't know. Our enemies within. Hmm. All right. Hope you have extra security. I do. Okay. You got your bunker you run to. That's right. Uh, oh, we got uh, we got Joe Biden audio. He did it again Friday. He's campaigning in Pennsylvania for Democrats. I guess that's including the guy, uh, John Fetterman, who's running for the U.S. Senate and slipping in the polls a bit against Dr. Oz due to his uh, difficult debate performance. Last week in this cut, see if you can spot what's wrong. Maybe uh, he's talking about the Affordable Care Act and how the Republicans constantly challenged Obama's Affordable Care Act. Here we go. They're going to try for their 499th time or whatever the number is. They're still determined to eliminate the Affordable Care Act. And by the way, if they do, that means not a joke, everybody. That's why we were defeated in 2018 when they tried to do it. We went to 54 states. The reason is people didn't realize that the only reason anybody who has a pre-existing condition can get health care is because of that Affordable Care Act. Tens of millions. <clears throat> Folks. These protections will be gone as well if Republicans get their way. What was that? Not a joke. He just, Not a joke. He just blurted out. He shouted out tens of tens millions. Tens of millions. What, what, what was he talking about there? I would imagine people who got 
affordable got Obamacare. But there was no that context. Had pre-existing conditions. There's I no guess. Context to shouting that out. I. But you did pick out the fifty-four states. The fifty-four states. Yes. That's uh, that's new. Some uh, other politician made that same mistake a few years Obama ago. Obama right? had fifty-seven states. We went Obama had fifty-seven. Yeah. I, I remember a politician. I didn't know it was that many. Oh, Obama had 57 well, uh, states. Well, are they we, counting the territories? Are they counting? I th- I thought he confused Heinz 57 varieties. <laughs> Obama did. Yeah. What's Joe up to with 54? 54. I don't know what, fi- what's, what, what 54 signifies. I don't know. And you can see, though, he's animated enough. That's not on the teleprompter. So, oh, yeah, you're right. Here it is. You're right. Obama claimed 57 states. Huh. Uh, is this why, how they win elections? Do they have extra states? That uh, 50 the rest is such, us... such a nice round number. It's easy Not to a joke. 50, 50 states. Um, but that's what I'm thinking. Are they thinking of Puerto Rico or other you know, I don't know. See, this Commonwealth? Is, I'm or... wondering. I'm wondering if they get extra, extra votes now. Extra electoral votes? Like they might have a different system. Maybe this is the conspiracy that everybody's always uh, yakking about. These, these, the, these extra states. All right. Well, I've just been told that the San Francisco district attorney, Brooke Jenkins, the one that took over from Chesa Bodine after the recall. Remember her? Yes. She's up for election, too. Uh, she just spoke to the media with a de- detailed account of the struggle over the hammer between Paul Pelosi and his attacker, Brian uh, de, 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 de Pepe, de Pape. De Pap. De, de Pap. Alex Stone says it's de Pap today. I thought he said de Papi. Did he say de Pap? I, I thought know. he said de Pap. Yeah. Yeah, because you look at it, it's P A P E. So I thought it might be Pape, mm-hmm. but you're right. I think or, it's the Pape or the Pape, the Pape, or, or the Pope, or, or the Pope, or the Pew. I'll All check right, the so tape. We'll play some of the audio. It's not that important. Everybody knows who this guy is, whatever his last name is. Johnny Ken KFI AM six forty live everywhere in the iHeartRadio app, and Deborah Mark live in the twenty four hour KFI newsroom. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.